Welcome to the Middle East Report Special Edition. I'm John Riley. Each week, I cover everything from security threats, new archaeological discoveries, biblical prophecy, ministries happening on the ground in Israel and the Middle East, and much more. I want to encourage you to read, study, and apply God's Word in your daily life. And one of the best ways to do that is to connect with the places, people, geography, history, and culture of what we read in God's Word. And that's what we try to do every single week here on American Family Radio. We're going to go directly to the land of Israel and talk to a good friend of mine there, Dr. Wayne Hilsden. Dr. Hilsden co-founded King of Kings Ministries in Jerusalem 40 years ago with his wife, Anne. He serves as president. He engages with a network of dozens of congregations and organizations in Israel, including King of Kings in Jerusalem, where their main center is located. The facilities there include the Pavilion Auditorium, formerly Jerusalem's largest movie theater, the Summit Prayer Center on the 21st floor of the same building, and various other outreach ministries that serve those in need. And King of Kings has a global outreach with online services that has given birth to Israel College of the Bible. He also co-founded FIRM, Fellowship of Israel-Related Ministries, where Dr. Hilsden continues to serve as president. Dr. Hilsden, it is so good to have you here on the Middle East Report Special Edition, directly from the land of Israel, from Jerusalem, from the capital of Israel. I'm right downtown, and you might even hear some traffic at points. Well, you have a lot of things going on there in the land of Israel with the King of Kings and all of the related ministries of that awesome, awesome organization there in the land. Why don't you tell everybody who's listening today a little bit more about King of Kings and what you guys do there in the land? I'm a Canadian. I lived in uh, New England, though, as a child and uh, returned to Canada. My dad was a pastor there. And while I was in Canada and pastoring a church in downtown Toronto, I had an unusual invitation to come to Israel. Uh, A pastor near Toronto had been in Israel doing some radio, actually, in southern Lebanon. Came back to Canada. We met him on a Sunday morning when they were having their regular Sunday morning service and invited us home for dinner. And he told us this story about having just come back from Israel and felt called uh, to move to Israel to establish a volunteer program for uh, young people from Canada to work on the kibbutzim, the communal farms of Israel. And in speaking to some government officials in Israel, they actually mentioned that there are a lot of Christians like him that probably would love to have a church and it would be a great base for his ministry and for people that come from around the world. And they actually said, you could start a church and we could get you a clergy visa. And it sounded like a crazy story. And in the middle of our dinner together on a Sunday afternoon, he said to Ann and I, would you come and help us start that church in Jerusalem? We had never been to Israel. I was a, actually a Greek professor in a seminary. I had never studied Hebrew. And so we were really unqualified for such an invitation, but uh, we felt like the Lord had spoken through him. We did a spy out the land tour to Israel and felt that indeed God was calling us to come alongside Jim and Kathy Canelon and start a congregation in Jerusalem. And we did. Started out as a little Bible study in a small apartment, and then it grew and developed and ended up at the YMCA auditorium there for 21 years. And uh, from that congregation helped to plant many other ministries as well. And now we own our own facilities. 
and uh, God has really been a, good to us and uh, been able to help us encourage others to join together in ministry, to be a catalyst for unity. And Jim and Kathy moved back to Canada. We stayed, and now it's 40 years since we began that congregation. Wayne, that is an amazing story of just, you know, someone being obedient to the Lord and following the call of the Lord. And, you know, I'm thinking of somebody who's listening right now, maybe they're feeling led to do something. I hope that story from Wayne will inspire you just to follow, you know, what God has called you to do. Wayne, coming up here in the fall every year, the Jewish people around the world celebrate something called the biblical feasts in this year, it's uh, and every year, it's Rosh Hashanah and the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. And I wanted to have you on. You're a pastor. You love the Word of God. And all of these things are in the Bible. I wanted you to kind of just unpack a little bit some of these biblical feasts and festivals that the Jewish people celebrate all around the world. And, of course, they're in the land of Israel. And what they mean to us as believers in Jesus. Yeah, these are exciting times for the people of Israel to gather together. Most cases, they would be joyful celebrations. Um, but two of the feasts that come in the fall, in September, uh, we have the Feast of Trumpets, as you mentioned, and Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, are more solemn occasions. These are times for uh, looking inside, seeing to what degree we are in line with with God's purposes in our lives. We're dealing with our sin issues. We're dealing with maybe potential conflicts in family or relationships beyond our own immediate family and getting things right to be reconciled to people. Once that happens, then we get to this Feast of Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the most joyous feast of all of them in the fall. Well, let's dive right in and talk about that first one that you mentioned, Rosh Hashanah. I don't even know if I pronounced that right. Rosh Hashanah, is that right? Is that how, how they put it? You're really close. Okay. You're really close. It's good. <laughs> well, well, let's dive into that particular festival and how Jewish people celebrate that there, or the Feast of Trumpets, as it is called in the Bible. And how, how do Jewish people celebrate that? And, you know, what, what implications does that have for us as believers? Well, let me just um, help clear up one confusion, potential confusion, and that is this day, two days celebrated abroad, but one day in Israel, called biblically the Feast of Trumpets, but it's also the first day of the year. There's also another first day of the year, and that's at Passover. That was the original uh, New Year festival, but uh, it has been changed uh, over the centuries, and now is Rosh Hashanah, the first of the year. This has great meaning for not only Jewish people, but I believe believers, followers of, of Jesus as well. As we look at the sin issue, which is the thing that people focus on in Israel, we recognize that Jesus uh, took upon himself voluntarily all of our sins and those of us who put our trust in him, we, we, we come to a place of forgiveness of sins, wiping out entirely sins, God's forgetfulness, as some people would say. We also recognize that the roots of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross go way back in biblical history to the time of Abraham. 
what happened when Abraham took his son Isaac in obedience to the Lord and went up Mount Moriah and Isaac carrying the wood for his own sacrifice. As we all know, God prevented him from finally killing his son. But Abraham passed that test of obedience to the Lord, going as far as willing to sacrifice everything for the sake of following the Lord. That is called the Akedah in Jewish tradition. The binding of Isaac, it's called. And that's read at this Rosh Hashanah, this Feast of Trumpets, every year. And, you know, it's not a literal trumpet, like a brass trumpet you would play, but it's a ram's horn. And actually, the sages, the Jewish sages and rabbis, talk about the, the horn of the ram caught in a thicket who took the place of Isaac on that altar. And we think of Jesus and his work on the cross. He is that sacrificial ram or male lamb who took our place so that we would not have to pay the penalty for our sin. And we put our trust in him. We know that we are saved. We are cleansed from those sins. Now, it's true that we're to make sure that we're reconciled with everybody. We're, we're to ask for forgiveness of others so that we're at peace with all people. But we know that we stand justified, just as if we'd never sinned when we put our faith in Jesus as our Messiah and, our, and God's sacrifice for us. So that's an interesting connection, the Feast of Trumpets, where Jesus becomes that, that ram, that male lamb who died for us. The Feast of Trumpets also reminds us of the fact that the same Jesus is going to come back again as the judge of all the earth, and uh, there will be a trumpet sound when he comes. There'll be a shofar blast as he comes to judge the world. He will judge sinners who have not repented, who have not decided to follow the Lord, to follow Jesus. And we know the consequences of that. But he's also coming as a judge for all people, including believers, those who follow him. We will be judged not whether or not we go to hell or to heaven, but we will be judged according to the works that we have done. And we will be judged in the sense of a declaration by the judge of all the earth, what kinds of rewards uh, we will receive because of our faithfulness to the Lord. So that's an interesting connection, the Feast of Trumpets or the Feast of the Ram's Horns. The Feast of the Trumpets then flows into the next biblical feast in the fall, and that is Yom Kippur. Tell us a little bit about that and what happens in Israel and maybe what uh, it means to us as believers in Jesus. Yes, Yom Kippur. It's not a feast. It's a fast, which um, we would call the Day of Atonement. It's the holiest, most solemn day in the Jewish, Jewish year. And on that day in Jerusalem and across the land of Israel, people stop everything. No cars are on the road. The fast consists of not only food, not only food fast, but water as well. And it's actually at a very hot time of the year, typically, and it's a difficult fast. But it's a recognition that uh, we're all sinners and we all uh, have something to, to repent of. And so it's a day of solemn repentance before the Lord. And an interesting detail is the fact that the Feast of Trumpets, 10 days before 
this day of atonement. That those 10 days are called the 10 days of awe. These are 10 days of introspection to see what kinds of issues that are unresolved, what kind of sin that's not been dealt with. And uh, so it climaxes on Yom Kippur, this fast day before the Lord. Now we know that we've been saved by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. So while we join with Israel to fast, we fast to pray as intercessors, to stand in the gap for Israel, that all of Israel will see the need of a savior, one who can completely redeem the nation and fully cleanse the nation of sin and become a holy people as they've been called to be, a holy nation of royal priests before God. You know, one of the things that uh, I heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, I'm trying to look at it in the, in the Bible, but on that uh, Day of Atonement, w- wouldn't they put all of the sins on a goat or a lamb or something and send that outside the city? Am I off on that, or is that is that something that's in the Bible? That is definitely in the Bible. There were two goats, uh, one that would be called the scapegoat that uh, is released into the wilderness and it dies uh, on its own with not having any provisions and of course, it's a very dangerous area of the country. And actually, the goat is brought to the edge of a cliff. And I've been to that very spot. And then there's another goat that's sacrificed at the temple. So you are right. You know, I, I think about those things that you, you just mentioned that are, that are in the Bible. And then I think of Jesus, and I think of the, the price that he paid. And, you know, the scriptures talk a lot about uh, our sins being placed on him and I don't know, it just seems uh, really interesting on what happened there, and then, of course, what Jesus did. Absolutely. Taking upon himself our sins and taking those sins as far as possible away from the holy place of the temple in the city of Jerusalem. So this scapegoat, as I said, goes way out into the wilderness toward the Dead Sea. And it's it's a picture of how far God takes those sins from us and releases us from those sins just as that goat is released. That is a a beautiful, beautiful story of what our Messiah, what uh, the Jewish rabbi Jesus did for all of us. That's absolutely incredible. After the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur, the next holiday or the next festival, if you will, on the calendar is Sukkot. Tell us about that biblical festival. And again, all these festivals are right in the Bible. They are. So the Feast of Tabernacles is a, a time to recall God's deliverance of the Jewish people, the children of Israel from Egypt, and their wilderness wanderings, and how God provided for them in the wilderness, in particular, the, the protection that he provided for them, and the shelters in which they lived temporarily on their way back to the Promised Land. And so Here in Israel, everybody's building a booth or a tabernacle or a small temporary structure of some kind. They're on balconies, they're in outside of buildings, and they're built in such a way to be flimsy because it's a recognition that it's a temporary dwelling until you get to the promised land. Uh, I can explain the typical structure is you have four poles like a hut and on top of the structure are various kinds of 
limbs and palm branches, various greenery, but it shouldn't be so heavy that you can't see through the roof to the stars. A kosher tabernacle must be built in such a way that you see the heavens, as it were. Do you recognize that our shelter is not just because we have a physical structure that we eat under and sleep under in the middle of a wilderness, but that ultimately our shelter above, the canopy above us, is God himself who's protecting us from the elements. And it's the most joyful feast of all of the calendar of Israel. And it's a time to rejoice in God's forgiveness that we've already seen as it were exemplified in those first two uh, feasts, the Feast of Trumpets and then Yom Kippur. And it's actually a time also to celebrate the ingathering of the harvest of many of the trees and uh, various grains that are harvested in the fall. You know, it's incredible to me thinking about uh, all of the things that you just mentioned and then thinking about Jesus, how he came to tabernacle with us. I, I know that's just one lesson that we can learn from this, that, you know, when we feel like we're in the wilderness, we're, we're, we're not alone. The Lord, the Lord is with us. And I would imagine that there's a lot of lessons we can learn, you know, from this uh, biblical feast or festival there in Israel. What are some of the other things we can learn? Well, there was an interesting ceremony that took place during the Feast of Tabernacles where uh, the priests would go down to the Pool of Siloam at David's city, which is just uh, south of the Temple Mount, and where David had a palace and a very prominent place before the temple was ever built. It was the main city of Jerusalem. At the Pool of Siloam, a priest would take a silver pitcher, dip it into the pool, and then there would be dancers and play, people playing flutes and people singing and celebrating. He would take that water in his pitcher, walk up uh, to the Temple Mount. This is by the time that the temple had been built by Solomon. And there go into uh, the, the temple courts and uh, to the sacrifice, the place of sacrifice, and pour that water onto the altar. And it was a, a time to recognize the cleansing of God, the springs of water as were revealed also in the time of the wilderness wandering where God provided water from the rock. And this whole miraculous provision is celebrated and that's why this feast is so joyful. And when we think of Jesus, we think of what he said. During the Feast of Tabernacles, he talked about living water, that out of one's belly would pour out living water. And then he says, and this is the Holy Spirit that I'm referring to. And so we can apply that to our lives where we're totally dependent on the Lord for his refreshment, his renewal that comes through his spirit. And so the pouring out of the water is a very physical demonstration of that spiritual reality. So many things that we can learn from the fall festivals. And I want to encourage you to please connect with King of Kings kkm.network kkm.network you can get more details there kkm.network and we're talking to dr wayne hillsden directly from jerusalem and when we come back on the middle east report special edition 
We're going to talk about some current events happening there in Israel. Always a lot of current news and a lot of things going on there in Israel. And I want to thank you for listening to the Middle East Reports and encourage you to study, apply, read God's Word in your daily life every single day. And one of the best ways to do that is to connect with the places, people, geography, history, and culture of what we read in God's Word. We'll be right back. The Middle East Report with John Riley. The Israel Government Press Office and the Ministry of Jerusalem and Heritage brought together top-tier Christian media Israel has taken the unprecedented step of requiring all international travelers Israel is a discipleship and service-oriented ministry in the heart of Jerusalem whose main aim is to bring the hope of Messiah back to Israel. Tune in to the Middle East Report, weekends on American Family Radio and on the podcast page at AFR.net. Welcome back to the Middle East Report Special Edition. I'm John Riley. We're going to talk about some of the current events happening in Israel directly from Jerusalem with Dr. Wayne Hilsden. Dr. Wayne Hilsden is the co-founder of King of Kings Ministry in Jerusalem. That was founded 40 years ago with his wife, Anne. He serves as president. He engages with a network of dozens of congregations and organizations in Israel. They have so many things going on there in the land of Israel and if you want to find out more about what they are doing, visit kkm.network, kkm.network. Wayne, thank you so much for what you do there in Israel for the Jewish people and all the different ministries that you're involved in. I wanted to ask you about some of the current events that are happening there in the land of Israel. And I thought I'd get your, get your take on a few of these things here. I saw some reports about a massive USA buildup of forces there in the Gulf to counter Iran. I mean, we're talking about bringing in thousands of Marines and ships and F-35s and just a lot of a lot of things going on there in the Gulf to counter what Iran is doing. You have any thoughts on that? Well, I would say that in terms of external threats to Israel, Iran is number one, and uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu has made that very clear over many many years. In fact. Uh, went to the UN many years ago and, and said that. And a lot of people just dismissed what he said and didn't take him seriously. But I think now we realize that it's true and probably already have their nuclear capability. So it's a great threat to the world, especially to our nation of Israel. You know, Wayne, I, I don't think a lot of people understand that Iran wants to wipe Israel off the face of the earth and the Jewish people. They, they've said that over and over and I know a lot of people don't realize that Iran is the chief sponsor of terrorism in the world. I mean, they're in Lebanon, they're in Syria, they're, they're just all over the world. And, and really, their, their chief goal is just to destroy the Jewish people. Is that an accurate statement? That is a very accurate statement. They support Hezbollah in uh, southern Lebanon. They've got uh, over 100,000 missiles readied to shoot at Israel. And in Gaza, uh, they are also involved in uh, supplying arms and sending advisors and so on to, to help threaten Israel from that territory as well. Hey, another story that is going on there, uh, you know, in that region, China is being seen as a new peacemaker in the Middle East. I guess they negotiated some kind of agreement between Saudi Arabia and Iran. What are your thoughts on that as China, you know, getting involved in, in peacemaking there in the Middle East? Well, it's true. They're, they're working around the world. I, I get to Africa periodically, and I hear many stories of how they've gotten 
very involved in politics and economics in, in that continent. Their great interest is in the Middle East and in trying to be uh, a mediator. It's very interesting that China is maybe not going to be the superpower that people say they will be, that they would surpass the United States economically. The fact is their population is now officially shrinking and they're in a, a recession. They're, they're, they actually uh, have deflation, not inflation at the moment. So, you know, this big, scary nation uh, is maybe not as uh, scary as we, we think they are. I'm not downplaying them. They have a huge army. They, they are a nuclear power and uh, do have influence. But I think they're also being uh, shown to who, the, who they really are as well. They have many internal problems. I don't think they're going to be a, a, a peacemaker in the Middle East. I don't think they've got that status. And it's far more complicated than people think. We always ask people to pray for what's going on there in the, the land of Israel and in the Middle East. Could you take just, I don't know, a minute or so and lead everybody uh, in just a, a short prayer? A lot of people worry about what's happening there in that, that region when they read about things happening in the news. And of course, you know, we're always praying for Israel and the Jewish people. Could you take just a moment and, uh, you know, pray for people who may be so concerned about what's happening there and that, that part of the world? And, and of course, God has everything under control. We know that. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, Yeshua, our Savior. Lord, we acknowledge again your sovereignty over the world. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are aware of every detail, every circumstance. You have no fear. Nothing takes you by surprise. And Lord, as we think of Israel and we think of the Middle East and all of the challenges that we see, what seems to be problems that are unsolvable, we know that you, Lord, are the great and mighty one. You're our fortress. We know that you will ultimately have the victory, that no enemy will be able to stand against your purposes. And so we put our trust in you today, Lord. We pray for great salvation for the Middle East, for the nation of Israel, for her neighbors, all who desperately need your intervention in this troubling situation and this very dangerous neighborhood that we live in. Ultimately, Lord, we thank you that you have come to save and deliver if we'll put our trust in you. We pray, God, for your intervention. We know, Lord, that you love the world and that you have a purpose and a plan. And we thank you, God, that you will come and help those who reach, reach out to you in their time of trouble, whether it's those who are listening to my voice at this moment all over the world, and especially those here in the Middle East, we need you, Lord. And we know you will come as your people cry. You hear those cries, and you will deliver. We love you, Lord, and thank you for your loving kindness toward your creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Middle East Report Special Edition. I'm John Riley. I just want to encourage you to read, study, and apply God's Word in your daily life. And one of the best ways to do that is to connect with the people of the Bible, the geography, the culture, the history, and so much more in the Word of God. And I also want to remind you that you can download a podcast of the show at AFR.net. 
and wherever you get your podcast, like Spotify and Amazon and all those major podcast platforms out there. Thanks for listening and thanks for following me and downloading the podcast. Have a great weekend.